0: Ready to explore the branches on your family tree? Join avid historian and genealogist Cherie Harper as she helps you begin your journey of finding out just where you came from. Brick Walls and Pitfalls starts now. Hello and welcome to Brick Walls and Pitfalls from the Henson Oakley Podcast Center. Today we're discussing birth records. Um, In the state of Tennessee in particular, which is where I am located, so that's sort of where my specialty lies, I will say that a very small amount of googling, um, if you're out of the area, you can pretty much find out what the <clears throat> what records are available um, for your state and your area. Um, it's usually on like your Secretary of State website or something like that. But here in the state of Tennessee, um, birth records weren't actually required statewide until 1908, um, as you probably know from hearing stories from your relatives and things like that. Um, most people were born at home. Um, before a certain time period so there was really no need to record them there wasn't a lot of information about those Um, but in 1908 uh, the state of tennessee decided that it was going to require them state ride so um, they did start in most places you can find them Um, however i will say that some of the rural areas were behind on that Um, it's something that may still not exist Um, one of the most interesting things i have found is The delayed birth records for the state of Tennessee have been extremely helpful in a lot of my research. Um, In 1935, when the Social Security Act was enacted, um, it required anyone who was going to work to get a Social Security number, basically. And in order to do that, you had to go and apply and you had to get what's called a delayed birth record. Uh, The delayed birth records um, started in 1935, but they kind of covered... Anyone born between, I believe, 1860, I think 1869 up till um, like the early 1900s. So basically anyone of a certain age, I think it says um, 1869 to 1909, something like that. Um, Anyone of a certain age in the early 1900s who was going to work and who was going to use a social security number had to go and apply for one of these. And in order to do that, you had to have support and documentation, which means you had to have you know, affidavits from family members or Bible records or things like that to prove that you are who you say you are basically. Um, And so if you go to uh, Ancestry.com in particular, um, most things that I use come from Ancestry.com just because I am very busy. I've got three children and I'm in a phase of my life where I can't go physically to the archives and things like that to look. And so Ancestry has been extremely valuable for me because I can pay a monthly fee and go on and do a searchable database pretty much any time when I have the free time and and find information. Um, Having said that, you actually can go to, here in Tennessee, you can go to the Tennessee State Library and Archives in Nashville um, and find this stuff for free. Um, You can get copies of it. It's on microfilm there. Um, You also, I believe some of the other databases have it. I think Family Search may have some of them. Um, I do know that online through the TSLA website, there is actually searchable indexes. Now, you can't get the records. You would have to pay to have someone send those to you or go in person to get them. But that can still be helpful because you could go uh, to the database, make sure that they have what you need, and then, you know, plan us. Basically, what I would suggest in this situation, if you didn't want to pay the monthly fee to Ancestry or someone like that, would be to jot down a list of everyone you were able to find um, in this database. That way, if you make a trip to the archives or something, you can go ahead and you know, get them all at once. Um, And so you're not wasting your valuable time there because it can be a a time-consuming process. And if you're going to make a special trip to Nashville for such a thing, you want to make sure you have everything together and know what you're looking for there. So the indexes do help quite a bit. Um, On the delayed birth certificates, um, they're pretty interesting because they do contain quite a bit of information. Uh, Typically, you can find um, on there, it will have, uh, you know, their, their name, their date of birth, their parents, where the parents were born. Um, it will also tell you what supporting documentation they have. A lot of time it's going to be an affidavit from a mother or a, a family member or Bible records, things like that. Um, you, you did have to prove something in order to get one of these. And as with any other um, information that you come across, I always encourage you and kind of keep repeating it because it, it tends to be the reason that a lot of people get stuck is don't be too sure of what you're going to find. Um, I'd encourage you to keep an open mind. And when you're looking at these records, sometimes, you know, when it gives the parents name. sometimes the name spelling is going to be different or sometimes a maiden name is listed as something totally different. Um, Kind of like when you come across death records, they're similar that way. A lot of times you will find that you thought um, so-and-so's mother was, you know, a Hanson. And it turns out that her name was you know, either something similar or something completely different. And so you have to keep an open mind about that and also take it with a grain of salt. That that doesn't necessarily mean that this record is correct. It just means that um, this is the information that's being relayed. And, and a lot of times if you take bits and pieces of all the information you get, you will eventually find something that supports one or the other or enough pieces of information that support you know, one name or one theory you had that you feel pretty comfortable going ahead and assuming that that's an actual fact. Um, genealogy is a little tricky that way it's not something where you're always going to find you know the smoking gun or you know the bullseye on something a lot of times it's going to be little bits and pieces that you put together and sometimes you have to make you know an educated guess at that point on what you think is the fact in that situation Um, but these delayed birth records are extremely helpful Um, they give you a lot of information that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise have Um, you can also get traditional birth certificates you don't have to rely on these these are just kind of for a certain time period and most of us when we're first getting started with genealogy you're working your way backwards and so you know the early 1900s you're looking at probably your grandparents or great-grandparents information and from there if you can get to that point you can usually start jumping back generation to generation pretty easily um, with the records that are available online um one thing that's interesting about genealogy is you would think, oh, well, the newer, you know, the the newer the person, the more records there'll be. Yes and no. Um, typically, when someone is younger, all that information is protected because of privacy. And so in this situation, when you're doing genealogy, it's kind of the opposite. The older that you're looking, the older the person is, the further back in history you're looking, the more available those records are. Um, Because most of those people are typically deceased and so there's not much to protect there. So that's why the delayed birth records and things like that are um, really helpful because it gives you information where normally these are searchable and normally to get a birth certificate, you would have to go to the secretary of state website or to the health department or something and order one and you have to prove that you're related and that you have a, you know, a reason to need that. And, you know, so that can be kind of complicated if you're trying to look at someone that's, that's younger, you know, born in the 30s or 40s or whatever. You would have to actually go and pay for that and, and prove some things about yourself in order to get a copy. And so um, having said all that, the delayed birth records are a great source of information. Um, I would encourage anyone in the state of Tennessee to go on to the TSLA.gov website. Um, it has links to most of their databases and things you can search Um, so that's where I would start if I were looking for birth records. This is Cherie Harper, and you are listening to Brick Walls and Pitfalls in the Henson Oakley Podcast Center. Henson Oakley Family Dentistry now features Zoom teeth whitening. You'll find them on West Jackson Street in Cookville. And today we are covering birth records. So we've talked about the different kinds of birth records you can get in the state of Tennessee. Another one that I would like to mention is, um, you know, family Bibles. Now, that one can get complicated because not everyone is going to um, have access to the family Bible. Typically, for most families, there was, you know, one great-great-grandma or someone that recorded everything, and then there's going to be one random family member that has that. Um, this is another area where ancestry can be very helpful, Uh There are going to be lots of people that you've never met and don't know um, and wouldn't know existed that are related to you. And it could be one of those, you know, third or fourth cousins down the line that happens to have that Bible and they've scanned it and put it in. And so that's another great source of birth records. And, you know, it won't give you a lot of information, but it will at least give you, you know, a name and a date and, and those kinds of things. And that can always help narrow things down. I'd like to thank you for listening to Brick Walls and Pitfalls. Join us for our next episode as we discuss death records. And just a reminder, you can catch up on all episodes of Brick Walls anytime in the Henson Oakley Podcast Center.